Welcome to Passion Church. For more information about Passion Church, please visit us online at www.passionchurch.tv. Now let's join the service already in progress. See, I told y'all about seven weeks ago that I've been umpiring some Little League for the last few seasons, and uh, I know you can't even imagine, but, uh, but uh, I've learned some things from this uh, unique experience umpiring. I've learned this. I've learned that uh, the ump isn't supposed to dominate the game. He's just supposed to facilitate the game. I'm just telling you right now, when I used to coach, if I'd had an umpire like one of these guys, I'd have got thrown out of the game. It would have been no question. Uh, but I've learned that some other things. I've learned that people have preconceived ideas about the umpires, and they treat them accordingly. So this is what I've come to grips with. Nobody likes the umpire. You can't make anybody happy. I mean, if you call a tight zone, then the batters, are, you know, they, 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 they like it. If you, if, if you call a wide zone, the pitchers like it. So nobody likes the umpires. I, I just need to tell you that, that uh, umpires need some love, too. Um, Okay, uh, this is not a counseling session, so, so uh, yeah. So, uh, so here's the truth. Whether you've ever played any sports or not, or whether maybe you're still playing sports now, the truth is, is that there is an umpire that is overseeing life. Um, and, and, and it's also true that we have preconceived ideas about this umpire. I want to go back into the story of Jonah one last time, and I think what we saw, uh, uh, what we see in this story describes how we perceive umpires, especially after you watch that video and you see how those guys acted. I think maybe uh, it just helps us uh, think about how we view the umpire. So join me in Jonah chapter 1. Same passage we've been reading quite often. It's Jonah chapter 1, beginning in verse 1 through verse 5. It says, The Lord gave this message to Jonah, the son of Amittai. Get up and go to the great city of Nineveh. Announce my judgment against it, because I've seen how wicked its people are. But Jonah got up and went in the opposite direction to get away from the Lord. And he went down to the port of Joppa, where he found a ship leaving for Tarshish. And he bought a ticket and went on board, hoping to escape from the Lord by sailing to Tarshish. But the Lord, check that out, but the Lord hurled a powerful wind over the sea, causing a violent storm that threatened to break the ship apart. Fearing for their lives, the desperate sailors shouted to their gods for help and threw cargo overboard to lighten the ship. Then we get down to verse 15, and it says this. Then the sailors picked Jonah up and threw him into the raging sea, and the storm stopped at once. I, I, I want you to notice that the storm stopped, but I want you to back up just a little bit and notice they threw him overboard. Think about that a minute. They threw him overboard, and the sailors were awestruck by the Lord's great power, and they offered him a sacrifice and vowed to serve him. Now the Lord had arranged for a great fish to swallow Jonah. And Jonah was inside the fish for three days and three nights. So here it is. Jonah hears God, decides that he doesn't want to obey God. He runs from God. So God sends a powerful storm that almost destroys the entire boat. They pick Jonah up. They throw him overboard, and if it, if, it, if it couldn't get any worse, all of a sudden, this big fish, we've, we've said we don't know what it was, catfish, goldfish, piranha, whale, I don't know, a big fish. God arranged for a big fish 
to swallow him. Okay, this account solidifies what most of us think about the umpire. When you start reading the account of Jonah, the fact that he's running from God and all that God goes through and all that God does, it solidifies how most of us view the umpire. This is how we view him. We believe that the umpire wants to strike us out. See, see, we are convinced that the umpire is, is like the guys on this video I showed you. They're over, he's over the top. He's harsh. He's spiteful. He's out to get us. His only desire is to ring us up, to call us out, to send us back to the dugout. That this is what the umpire of our life is, is, enjoys and desires to do when he's dealing with us. He wants to strike us out or to throw us out, and, and, and then when you read the account of Jonah, then, then you go, wait a minute, maybe that's really how the umpire is. Maybe he's just out to get us. How many of us are going through things right now that are painful, they're unpleasant, they're, they may be heartbreaking, they may be gut-wrenching, and whether we realize it or not, what we do is we begin to think that this is only because the umpire wants to strike us out. Could, could it be that, that maybe, maybe we, we, we come to this place where we're going, you know what, I think God allowed this and if he didn't allow it, he caused it and because of that, I think he's over the top and I think he's mean and I think he's out to get us and, and so we begin, to, we begin to think like that and if we, don't even, if we don't come to that conclusion, then we certainly come to this conclusion that the umpire must not be watching the game very closely. I, come on, I've heard some of y'all at ball fields. I know how you think about the umpire. You, umpire, you're like, man, you're missing a good game out here, bro. Come on, Blue, if you, had, if, you, if you could see, can't you see what I'm seeing? We, we come to the conclusion that maybe the, the umpire isn't watching the game close enough. Because if he was watching the game close enough, he wouldn't miss the call. If he was watching, if he had clear perspective, apparently he isn't seeing things clearly. Otherwise, I wouldn't be going through what I'm going through. I wouldn't be dealing and feeling what I'm feeling. I wouldn't be dealing with this right now if the umpire was paying attention. So the storm I'm facing was something that he should have stopped. The pain that I'm feeling right now is something that God should have stepped in and called call a stop to that right now. He must not, he might be watching everybody else's life, but he must not, he must be asleep on the job. He, he doesn't have 20-20 vision anymore. He's a little off his game. He's out to get me because I've been dealing with the same sickness, the same situation, the same dilemma, the same heartache for the last decade, and the umpire doesn't seem to be anywhere around because if the umpire was here, he would stop this. That's how we perceive and so our, in, our, in our mind, the umpire becomes someone that we should avoid, that we should keep at a distance, that we should run from. That's what Jonah does, right? Jonah, Jonah runs, doesn't he? He runs from the umpire. And so that's the position many of us take. We begin to run from the umpire because we think that he doesn't really care about us, that he just he gets, he gets his, uh, his, his, his tickles, his joys, his, his feel-good moments when we're struggling and at, at wit's end. We, we really think that. So then we begin to run away from him. So we approach him differently. If we deal with the, the umpire like that, most of us have one of two types of relationships with the umpire. Neither are healthy. The first one is this. We have a contractual relationship. It's just a contract. 
So, so if we have a contractual relationship, then we have the tendency to fall into one of two camps. We become legalistic. And we begin to think, you know what, if I break the contract, then God is sitting up on the throne somewhere. And when I break the contract, he wants to destroy me and he wants to make things go wrong in my life and he's out to get me. Or if we have a contractual relationship and we're not legalistic, we become casual in our relationship with God and we go, nothing I do matters. He's already made up his mind. He wants to hurt me. He wants to, he wants to strike me out. He wants to send me back to the dugout so I can live any way I want to live and it doesn't really matter. The other camp is this. We don't have a contractual relationship. We have a doctrinal relationship, which is not healthy either. Because if we have a doctrinal relationship, what we do is we go, I'm in Christ, then nothing can, can hurt my relationship with God, the umpire. If I'm in Christ, nothing I can do has any bearing on that relationship at all. So now we move, out of, out of the, we move into this camp where we go like this. I'm not really concerned anymore about my relationship with him. Boy, it's quiet in here. Did y'all worship yourselves out? What's the deal? No, I know, you don't like the umpire. I get it. I, I understand. It's, uh, but, 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 but we come to this place where we, when we view the umpire wrong, we, we don't have the ability to graduate to the understanding that what God, the umpire, wants is relationship. So that now we begin to live our life differently. We begin to live our life so that we, we don't fear God. We fear hurting God. We fear breaking relationship with him. We fear breaking his heart and causing more distance between us. So, so, so uh, we, we've got to come to this understanding that he doesn't want to strike, strike us out like that. In fact, when you read the account of Jonah, what you discover is this. Listen carefully. Even when the umpire calls a strike or even an out, that doesn't mean that the game is over. So, so even when a strike is called, because I, I, got, I got some news for you this morning, it, it, it's going to happen. <laughs> you are going to make a decision. We're going to make a choice. We're going to have an attitude. We're going to open our mouths. <laughs> we're going to live. And at some point in the game, a strike is going to be called, right? So at some moment, a strike will be called. But even when, when, when God calls a strike on us, even when he calls an out on us, even when we are sent to the dugout to hang out for just a little bit, that does not mean that the game is over. Jonah gets a strike called on him. It's like Jonah's sent to the dugout. It's a fishy dugout. It's a stinky dugout. Ever been in one of those? Uh, with middle school boys, you've been there. All right, so there's a stinky dugout that he gets sent to, and it looks like the game is over, but the truth is, is that even when God calls an out, that doesn't mean the game is over. And, and other, other, here's what happens. Uh, there are still bases to run. There, there are still cuts to take. There's still life to live. There are still challenges to overcome. There are still victories to be won. Even when God calls a strike or an out, he still has game left for you. Even when others, have you ever been in this situation, others want to play umpire? Come on now. Got anybody in your life that's ever tried to take the umpire's spot in your life and wants to ring you up and call you out and dismiss you from the game? And it's like, like they, they want to disqualify you. They've given up on you. But the truth is, is that even when they shake their head in frustration and dismay, the umpire will call you back to the plate again. Listen, Jonah chapter 2, verse 10. Then the Lord uh, ordered the fish to spit Jonah. It's actually verse 1. I think spit Jonah out onto the beach and 
then in Jonah chapter 1, verse 3, then the Lord spoke to Jonah a second time. Get up and go to the great city of Nineveh and deliver the message I've given you. This time Jonah obeyed the Lord's command and went to Nineveh, a city so large that it took three days to see it all. So here's the deal. You may feel like that you've been called out, but actually what the umpire, umpire is really trying to do is call you in. I want that to sink into your spirit this morning because some of you feel like he keeps ringing you up, ringing you up. Strike, strike, strike three, batters out. It's like that seems to be your life over and over again. And what I came to tell you this morning is really even when he calls you out, all he's doing is trying to call you back in. Because uh, see, the, the psalmist wrote this in Psalm 103 verse 3, you kiss my heart with forgiveness in spite of all I have done. In spite of all I have done, all the bad swings, all the errors, all the missed opportunities, in spite of all of that, you have healed me inside and out from every disease. So what Jonah learned and what David knew was this, your mess up is simply a setup. That if we could ever come to that understanding, see the first plate trip that you took, the, the, the first plate appearance that you had, you didn't, put, you didn't get the job done. The first time you went up to bat, the first time that you had people depending on you, the first time that you should have walked away from the temptation, the first time that you should have turned your back on the sin, the first time that you should have said no, you messed up, you struck out, you, you took a cut that you shouldn't, it was high and outside and the ball was right in your eyes and you couldn't help yourselves, you swung and you missed. That was the first plate trip. But what we've learned was that the time in the dugout was simply preparation, listen to this, so that when you get to the back, back to the plate, you won't get caught looking again. See, 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 you will be laser focused, you will be on point, you will be on plan, you will knock it out of the park. See, your mess up during the first plate appearance was, was necessary. When's the last time you heard that at church? Your first plate appearance, the mistake you made first, was probably necessary so that you would learn to see with the umpire's eyes. Okay, I'm going to clue y'all in, those of you that have no baseball experience at all. Let me clue you in. The umpire does not adjust the zone to the batter. Cardinal rule here. The batter must learn to adjust to the umpire's zone. If the umpire thinks a strike is low at the ankles, it's a strike whether the batter thinks it's a strike or not. I'm preaching right now. If, if the umpire says that high and outside, unreachable, is a strike, it's a strike. Devin used to play high school baseball, and I can still vividly remember a situation in a game. It was the ninth inning, two outs, runner on second, I believe. Devin comes up to the plate. This goober for an umpire, much like the one you saw on here. I wasn't an umpire then, so I'd call him a goober back then. I had to move because I was sitting behind the plate, and I was about to get thrown out. And I'm watching him, and he's giving a strike zone six to eight inches in the other batter's box. So it's strike two. Devin's standing. He turns and looks at me, and I said, just do what you can do. And for the next 16 pitches, Devin fouls it off and fouls it off and fouls it off all the way in the other batter's box. I'm like, just keep doing it. And finally, after all those pitches, he finally doesn't call one of those way out there a strike, and Devin walks to keep the game going. But why? Because Devin adjusted to the umpire's zone. 
And what I need you to hear this morning is this. Some of us were called out the first time so that we would learn to adjust to the umpire's zone. What he says is sin is sin. And what he says is right is right. And what he says is wrong is wrong. And the reason he called you out the first time was not to hurt you. It was to try to help you to learn and adjust to the zone that the umpire has established so that the next time you won't make the same Mistake. I want you to see what Jonah finally concludes about the umpire. He comes to a conclusion that I want you to come to this morning. Even after all of this, he, he's mad about it. He doesn't do it with the right attitude. But I want you to li listen between the sarcasm. Listen between the anger. Listen between the lines of these uh, misconceptions about God. And listen to what Jonah finally really comes to the conclusion about the umpire. Here it is. Jonah chapter 4 verse 2. I knew that you are merciful and, com and a compassionate God. You're slow to get angry and you're filled with unfailing love. Listen, you are eager to turn back from destroying people. Wait, whoa, wait just a minute. You mean the umpire isn't mean? You mean the umpire isn't over the top? You mean the umpire really doesn't des desire to destroy my life? I thought all these months he was trying to destroy me. I thought when all this stuff was going wrong in my life, even though I was swinging at bad pitches I shouldn't have been swinging at, I thought he was trying to mess me up. I thought he was trying to ruin my life. I watched him bless everybody else, but he doesn't come through for me, and I thought maybe he was trying to destroy me. You mean at the end of the day, the umpire really doesn't want to destroy me? He doesn't get joy out of my suffering? He doesn't, he doesn't secretly ruin root for my demise? No. No, he calls the strikes and even calls some outs, but the truth is, is that according to Psalm chapter 136, 1 through 3, which says this, give thanks to the Lord for he is good. His faithful love endures forever. Give thanks to the God of gods. His faithful love endures forever. Give thanks to the Lord of lords. His faithful love endures forever. Verse 23, he remembered us in our weakness. His faith, man, he just keeps saying it. His faithful love endures forever. He saved us from our enemies. His faithful love endures forever. He, he gives food to every living thing. His faithful love, come on, do you get, do you see the reference? His faithful love endures forever. Give thanks to the God of heaven. His faithful love endures forever. Numbers chapter 14, verse 18. The Lord is slow to anger and filled with unfailing love forgiving every kind of sin and rebellion, but he does not excuse the guilty. So we need to come to this understanding. We must perceive the umpire correctly. The, I, I don't want you to get this twisted. The umpire will call a strike. The umpire will ring you up. The umpire will send you back to the dugout on occasion, but we've got to get this underlying perception and understand that the umpire has, is filled with unfailing love. My, my, um, my, my, my favorite memory of this last season was this. I, um, it was the last week of the season. I, I normally umpire the older kids. I was sent to an eight-year-old baseball game. If y'all have never been to an eight-year-old baseball game, uh, yeah, you have. I know you have. Uh, it's an adventure. So this is what happened. I walk onto the field, and the visiting team is really good. 
Like they've got pitchers that can throw the ball across the plate and they've actually got kids that can hit the ball. The home team, let's just say they were challenged. They had nobody that could throw the ball over the plate and none of them could hit. And so here I am behind the plate. It was a, okay, see at our park, when you're up by 15 runs, you've got 15 runs over the other team by the, in the third inning, the game is over. It's called a run rule, a mercy rule. Uh, not much mercy there, but mercy. All right, it's 15 to no. Okay, so, so here we go. We go through inning one. The good little team comes up to the plate first because of the visiting team. They start bombing the ball. Boom. Well, when the pitch would come over anywhere near the plate, they would bomb the ball. Most of the time, it was nowhere near. It was a walk fest. They just, runner after runner after runner after runner. First inning, they score all seven of the runs that they're allowed to score, and we switch. The, the home team comes up, and the guy's throwing BBs across. Strike one over and over again, and all the kids are just standing there. Three outs, three up, three down. We go back, visitors come up to the plate. Guy has the ability to throw the ball over occasionally. Boom, they start hitting the ball. They can't make the play. They score all seven of their runs, and we switch again. Home team comes up. They stand there with the bat on their shoulder, and it's strike one, strike two, strike three, nine, probably nine, ten pitches at most, and we switch again. It's the top of the third inning. Home team comes up, scores two runs. Now it's 16 to nothing. Technically, the game is over. But in our league, we let the home team always bat, no matter what. So they come up, got a good little pitcher on the mound. They haven't even gotten through their order yet. They're like at number nine. They got 11 kids on the roster. Everybody's got a bat. So actually, they were at the seven, eight, nine hole. Seven, eight, nine hitter. They come up, never swing. Strike one, strike two, out, out, out. 16 to nothing. Technically, the game is over. Two batters left that haven't batted. I call time. I step out in front of the plate, and I talk to both coaches, and I say, listen, we got two batters. The game's officially over, but, but we got two batters that haven't batted yet. We need them to bat. And okay, so he switches pitchers, and he put, puts a kid in that's not quite so good. And the first kid comes up, and four straight pitches, he walks. He gets to first base. Last kid in the order, the only kid left that hasn't batted, steps up to the plate, and the first pitch is a pass ball. It goes under the catcher's legs. Kid steals second, makes it all the way to third. You got a runner at third with one batter left, right? This it's it's one ball, no strikes. Second pitch comes in. It's like above my head. Catcher makes a great play, catches it. Ball two. Next pitch comes in. It's way outside. Catcher reaches over, grabs it. Ball three. And I step over to the batter, I call time, I lean into the batter, and I say, bro, you're the last batter. I already know this kid's never hit a ball in his life because his parents are going crazy. He's not swinging the bat. Like, swing the bat, man. Come on, you're the last batter. Swing the bat. Won't swing. I lean, I said, bro, you got nothing left to lose. You're the last batter. This, is the, this game is over. Swing the bat. So I tell him, I say, doesn't matter where the pitch is. It's going to be a strike. He looks at me like an eight-year-old sometimes does, like the lights are on, but nobody's home. And I'm like, seriously, if, does, if it's over your head, if it's in the other dugout, swing. It's going to be a strike. I promise you. So I step back behind the plate. Ball comes in right down the middle, and he doesn't swing. 
Strike one. Two. It doesn't matter where this pitch is, you better swing. It's gonna be a strike. This will only be the second strike. It's gonna be a strike. Swing your bat. Okay. So I, I get behind the plate and the pitch comes in four feet outside. Strike two. And all the parents start going crazy. What? That wasn't, a, that was ball four, man. Are you crazy? Put him on base. And I had to turn around and say, the umpire has a plan. So I lean back up to the batter. It's three balls, two strikes. Swing the bat. Ball comes in. It's got to be a foot outside. And the kid goes. And lo and behold, if it wasn't a line drive all the way into right field, just clears the infield. Runner from third scores. Kid makes it to first. And I couldn't help myself. I'm supposed to be the umpire. I had to come out. The game is over. I step out. I take my mask off. I step in front of the plate and I say, ball game. Then I couldn't help myself. For just a moment, I had to become a, a, a cheerleader. I, turn, I was like, good job, man. Way to go. See what happens when you swing the bat. You're the man. I'm glad you hit the ball. And what I came to tell you this morning is that is the legitimate, that is the correct, that is the appropriate perspective of the umpire, that the umpire doesn't want to see you strike out. The umpire doesn't want to see you head back to the dugout with your head held in shame. The umpire doesn't want to knock you out of the game. What the umpire really wants to do, he's rooting for you secretly. He wants you to knock it out of the park. Can I tell you what he really wants to do? He wants to call you safe at home. And all I came to tell you this morning is this. We've been praying for weeks now that if you don't know Jesus as your personal Savior and if you feel like that God is against you and that every time you turn, everywhere you go, it seems like you're striking out and you're struggling and it's like God is against you. I just came this morning to tell you this. All you've got to do is put your faith in the umpire. All you've got to do is trust his perspective. All you've got to do is adjust to his own. And if you will do that, can I tell you what will happen? You'll be safe. When you come into a relationship with Jesus, you will be safe. He wants to call you safe, but you have to adjust to his zone. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Some of you don't know this, but your name was written down on a card several weeks ago people made up their mind that they're tired of watching you struggle. They're tired, they're tired of watching you have, be in pain and hurt. They're tired of watching you go through life striking out over and over again. They wrote your name down saying this, that they would invite you to come today for one purpose and one purpose only, to see you meet the umpire and to give your heart and life to him, to adjust to his own so that he would call you safe with every head bowed, every eye closed, no one looking around except my prayer team. If you're here this morning, we will not embarrass you. I promise you of this. We will not embarrass you. We just want to pray intelligently. If you're here and you have not made Jesus the Lord of your life, you have not entered into relationship with him, you have not asked him to forgive you of your sins and, and to, to give you new life, if that's you, would you just slip your hand up and you can pull it right back down? We just want to pray intelligently. Is there one? 
one that would say, I need Jesus. Yes, anyone else? I need, yes, two, any, and three, yeah. Anybody else in this room today that would say, I need Jesus to come into my life and set me free, call me safe? Yeah, yeah, four, five. Anybody else that would say, so this is what we need to do. We have to adjust to his zone. If you're here and you raise your hand, we want you to pray this prayer. We're all going to pray it together. But I want you to know something. There's nothing magic about the prayer. The, the, the power is in the fact that when we pray, we mean what we're saying. The Bible says that if we, can, if we believe in our heart, that's all we're doing as we pray, and we're making this belief statement in our heart, I believe that you are who you said you are, Jesus. I believe you've done what you said you could do. I honor you. I make you the Lord. That's all we're doing when we pray. And then we confess with our mouth. That's why we pray out loud. If we, Bible says if you believe in your heart, confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, then you are saved. You're safe at that moment. So we all pray this together. Would you pray this with me? Jesus, I surrender my life to you. I believe in my heart that you came to live like us that you died on a cross, that you rose again on the third day so that we could have relationship with the Father. So I ask you, become the ruler of my life. I make you the Lord of my life. You're my boss. You're my umpire. What you say is right is right. What you say is wrong is wrong. I will live for you. I give you my life. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. You're safe. In that moment, you're safe. And so, Father, I pray that as we walk through life together, as those of us that are on this same team now, family members, brothers and sisters in Christ, I pray that we would root for one another. I pray that we would help one another. When we see one of our brothers or our sisters get a strike called, I pray that we would not abandon them. We would not disqualify them. We would not turn our backs on them. Instead, we would root for them and, and assist them in every way so that they adjust to the right zone. I pray that you would help us to cheer one another on to victory. And I pray that we would not in run after run after run after run for your namesake and for your kingdom's sake. And everybody said, amen. Come on, look at your neighbor right now and say, you're safe. It's been a privilege to have you join us for this time of ministry. To find more Passion Church resources or to make a donation online, visit www.passionchurch.tv. Remember, you can't live without passion.